Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. Freddie and Angelo here with you once again today. Uh, obviously, if you can't tell by the sound of my voice, we are here for a much more somber reason than we like to normally be. We are here today to mourn the passing of Jonathan Huber, better known to the wrestling world as Luke Harper in WWE, and Mr. Brody Lee, the exalted one in AEW. Uh, just a little disclaimer, this could get very rawly emotional uh, as we go about business tonight. Uh, we are here to pay tribute to Brody because he meant a lot to us as fans, and we know how much he meant to the people he worked with and to his family. And it's taken us almost a week to be able to do this because there's so many things that can be said about Brody, and we're two guys who don't need to be you know, saying them right away. Those who were closest to him did what they did, and those who were closest with him said what they needed to say and have had to deal with this passing in in the most uh, difficult of ways possible. And we wanted to wait until the AEW tribute episode came and went as well. Um, So this is a celebration of the life of Jonathan Huber, also known as uh, Brody Lee and Luke Harper. Uh... To just give some backstory on the type of career that he had, he wrestled all over the world, uh, in you know debuting in 2003 in his hometown of Rochester, New York, and all through the upstate area, becoming a, a known name with uh, comparisons to Bruiser Brody, which he maintained throughout his career. He moved on to Chikara in 2007 in Philadelphia, where he competed against some very uh, young versions of the names of guys he would end up facing with later on. Uh, along with the likes of John Moxley and others. Um, he would eventually sign with WWE in 2012, where he ended up becoming going to NXT and competing uh, as a member of the Wyatt family uh, shortly after a stint in FCW. Um, he debuted as the first son of the Wyatt family later, uh, including Eric Rowan, where they became the NXT Tag Team Champions um, in uh, early 2013. Um, <clears throat> uh, they eventually came to the main roster together, the Wyatt family's existence proving to be a, f- a focal point of WWE TV for the better part of a year, uh, where they ended up uh, competing against the likes of John Cena and Daniel Bryan, Kane, and uh, and very other various other Big names, uh, including the wild six-man tag matches they had with the Shield. Upon splitting into a singles run, uh, Luke Harper, as he was now known, uh, went on to compete uh, for the Intercontinental Championship, winning it one time, as well as in the 2015 WrestleMania 31, the Intercontinental Championship ladder match, before reuniting with the Wyatt family for several runs throughout the next couple of years, scoring two tag team title runs alongside his friend Eric Rowan in his second reign and in the first reign alongside Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, competing in many a match uh, at the, near the top of the card for a little while alongside Bray and Randy, almost finding himself in a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania 33, uh, before leaving WWE in late 2019. Upon debuting for All Elite Wrestling in early 2020, he returned to his previous name on the indies of Brody Lee, now going by the term The Exalted One, Mr. Brody Lee, be turning the Dark Order from a fledgling group that was going nowhere into one of the most must-see members of the AEW roster, 
and becoming one of the centerpieces of AEW TV for the better part of 2020 through this pandemic era. And at the end of it all, he ended up becoming the second ever TNT champion, unseating Cody Rhodes in August for the title and holding it for just over two months before dropping it back to Cody in one of the matches of the year, the dog collar match in October, which unfortunately hindsight has shown us that would be his last match ever in his career as he was tragically taken from us last weekend, the final weekend of 2020. Uh, The sadness that was felt was by every single person in the wrestling world. And I heard likenings to the type of uh, emotion and heartbreak that was felt from when Eddie Guerrero passed away so tragically 15 years prior. Eddie's passing, he was 38 years old and he was in the prime of his career and he had already just begun to show that he was truly a main event caliber star and who knows what the future would have held for Eddie at that time. And I feel the same way about Mr. Brody uh, because Brody was truly coming into his own in AEW and he was at the top of his game, he was at the top of the card and I genuinely believe that within a year he could have been the face of the company, he could have been the world champion. And Chris Jericho said it best in his tribute I believe on Dynamite this week, where he said that Brody proved in that TNT Championship reign prior to his passing that he was everything that he not only believed he could be, but we as fans always believed that he could be in WWE and in AEW. And that was a draw, a main event level champion. And that was what we only ever wanted for him as fans and as as supporters of his. And the tragedy of his loss is felt throughout the entire wrestling world. And you can't find a wrestling fan, I don't believe, who at least in some way did not shed a tear or at least crack a smile seeing the stories, all the laughs that were remembered of Brody's life, the times that the superstar spent with him, and the, and the knowledge that his family is going to be taken care of by AEW. So, as I said before, Angelo is here, and I'm going to pass it over to Angelo now. Uh, Angelo, welcome back with us here. You know, you and I have been talking privately a lot about this for a couple days now and this has just been so heartbreaking when you first heard the news about Brody's passing I mean obviously the immediate reaction of shock and sadness but what was the first memory of Brody that came up in your mind as a fan when you heard of his passing uh first memory um you know when when Luke Harper as known in WWE um when John was wrestling as Luke Harper, um, I'll be honest, I wasn't the biggest fan. For some reason, I wasn't the biggest fan of any of the White family members for a while. It took them, you know, probably, it took me around 2014, 2015 to really get to like all of them. Yeah. But um, the one thing that I really, really, really enjoyed from Brody, Luke, John, was um the whole 20 what was it 2014 2015 team C versus team authority yeah. that survivor series match that was you know his whole thing in that storyline just was that's what got me hooked on to being a fan of his well you know and i remember that vividly because that was shortly after the Wyatt family had been kind of disbanded quietly bray wyatt went on his own releasing quote unquote his his disciples, Bray, uh, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, to be their own men. And that was really the beginning of a singles run for Luke Harper. And when he won the Intercontinental Championship, it kind of seemed like they were going to go all in with this guy. He, you, you see the talent, you see the ability, and you see how good he can be. And I genuinely thought that at that moment in time, he could have very well become the next big monster heel 
in the business. And that's what I start from that moment on believed it. You know, and that's 2014. He was still so new to the main roster, if you will. Only up there a year. He's now just getting his own chance to be on his own. And I thought that he, he didn't get enough of an opportunity because I remember the first real time that I saw uh, Harper do something that I remembered so vividly was actually the 2015 uh, Extreme Rules pay-per-view. He had that match with John with John Moxley, then known as Dean Ambrose. Uh, where they they literally brawled at the opening match, left the arena, came back, and later in the show concluded the match. And I thought that was just so cool. It was like an Attitude Era kind of throwback. Made me think of uh, the old Gold Dust Roddy Piper street fight. And those vibes that I got were just so cool. Um, and of course, that moment I me- that match I mentioned earlier, WrestleMania 31, the Intercontinental Title Ladder match, where Luke Harper powerbombed John Moxley through a ladder. Which Moxley over the weekend went on record as saying was one of the most dangerous spots you could possibly do in a ladder match, and he trusted only uh, John Huber with that with that spot, and he did a flawless job. Moxley was not injured; he was totally safe, and the bump was taken, and he was okay. And those story, those are the types of stories that you hear. I remember another vivid story uh, of every memory, I should say, of, of watching. Uh, Brody Lee work live was in 2019 when Angela, you and I went to uh, WrestleMania. Um, it was the kickoff show. It was the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. It was a very small spot, but you know, obviously the kickoff show, I don't think many of the fans were truly like fully paying attention just yet, but I remember being really in tune because I saw Harper in the match and I was really happy that he was in the match. I don't know what it was, but at that time I was just like really upset that Harper was not being used as well as he should have been. He had been out injured. He had had a lot going on, uh, previously, you know. Had had not really had the Bludgeon Brothers run was kind of lost was a lost cause after they they dropped the ball with that booking wise, uh, and I remember when him and Ma, him and Mustafa Ali were eliminated they eliminated each other on a suplex spot, and yep. you could see that for whatever reason Ali could not get did not get completely over uh, over uh, Harper's head before going over for the suplex spot and. Harper saved him from a broken neck, and actually, I didn't know that he saved him from a broken neck until this past weekend, but the spot looked so gnarly, and I'm like, for whatever reason, it looked safe. It looked like Harper controlled it the entire way down, because he, you know, that's a, you know, obviously you're putting your life in the other guy's hands, and, and he did a great job with that, and unfortunate circumstances, you know, were avoided because of his quick thinking and his ability to keep Ali from being seriously hurt, and that was a story that I connected my personal memory of it to when hearing about it from Ali himself over the weekend in one of his social media posts. So truly a genuine moment of just like, wow, this is crazy. This is unbelievable. You know, so many things that this man did. Um, when he arrived in AEW and Angelo, I think you can agree with this. It was really, really cool. And I, and I was really excited because I'm a big Brody Lee fan. Like I said, ever since that tw- that singles run in 2014, I was a big fan of his. And I thought that this would have been the perfect opportunity to finally let him be all that he can be and become the main eventer that we thought he could, you know? And I and I don't want to sound like, you know, cliche or anything like that. I genuinely felt that. And, you know, what did you think when he arrived in AEW earlier, the, uh, early, sorry, I say earlier this year, it's, it's New Year's Day upon recording and our minds are anywhere from the truth. So early 2020, when he debuted in, in AEW, what was your thoughts on it, Angelo? That was just, I remember you texting me saying, are you watching AEW? And I was like, 
no, I just walked in the door from work and you were like, and you got to turn on. I'm like, why? What just happened? And I believe that was the same night that Matt Hardy debuted, right? At the uh, end of the I don't know. They were very close together. I wouldn't say the same night, but I remember the rumors going around with that there was that the Exalted One was being teased by Evil Uno for several weeks, and then finally they announced that next week the evil that you know he was gonna de- he was gonna be revealed, and I think right. that when they announced that next week he will be revealed, that same night that Matt Hardy debuted in a feud with Chris Jericho, and everyone was like, "Well, wait a minute, if it's not Matt Hardy, now who is it?" You know, because right. I think people like the rumors were that it was either it was either Brody or Matt, and when Matt debuted a week prior to the Exalted One's arrival. If I'm not mistaken, that's what it was. But I think that that was a perfect role for Brody. The absolute perfect role. Because he always was a follower in WWE. you know, And, and that's not his fault. He was booked to be that way. He was right. either the equal in a tag team that was never booked properly, him and Rowan. Or he always acted as the follower with the Wyatt family. And unfortunately, the only time he ever showed a sign of like breaking away from that and rebelling into a singles run where he was a face was 2017 where I mentioned before, he almost got a WWE title shot at WrestleMania. I remember vividly being so hyped because I'm like, if he can defeat AJ Styles, he's going to wrestle Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania for the title. And I'm thinking that's the match right there. Two former Wyatt guys going to go at it at WrestleMania. And of course, unfortunately, um, uh, Harper lost the match and it ended up being Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt one-on-one. And it was really weird because they had all those, projections in the ring and on the mat and i just feel like if they added harper in and let those three guys just go to war for 20 minutes instead of adding all that creepy stuff in they could have had a much better match and it would have been much more well received than it ended up being exactly a much better storytelling and even then like you 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 turn him face and then for what he meddled around for a few months in the mid card never did anything was barely on tv and then he got i think he got hurt and then he left TV for his injury came back and what was he doing? He was back in the tag team with Eric Rowan and the Bludgeon Brothers. And again, another major opportunity to form yourself the greatest. I thought they were like upon their debut, they could have been the best damn tag team in the company. And I mean, and like for years to come because listen, Harper was great. Rowan, while he wasn't the most technically proficient, he was good. And the gimmick was awesome. Just unstoppable monsters. But we all know that tag team wrestling is not a focal point for WWE. We've mentioned this before, and that's not why we're here. We're here to tribute Brody. But I thought that that could have been... That was, the, that was kind of, for me, the last hope I had in WWE for him. And I said that if he is ever going to succeed, he is not going to be able to do it in WWE. And at that time I was thinking if he went to new Japan, if he went to ring of honor and really honed his craft, like he could be a star there and not have to worry about WWE. And that was obviously in a world that was pre AEW. But once all those stars aligned, he got his release from WWE. He signed with AEW and got the role that was perfect for him as the leader of the dark order, man, from there, that was it. He 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 genuinely was set up for superstardom and in the right way. And they were using him correctly. They didn't overuse him. They didn't let him take unnecessary losses. Maybe he shouldn't have lost to Moxley so soon, but the match was really good. And it really elevated Brody even and that's the thing too. You can always be elevated in a loss. You know, someone else goes over doesn't mean that you're not getting over. And I feel like that's lost on a lot of on a lot of things and a lot of people in the wrestling business. 
as fans, right. you can still get over even if you take a loss. And I think that's what happened with Brody that night. He solidified himself as a main player in AEW, even though he lost to Moxley. He didn't get pinned. He got choked out. Moxley got away with a win there, you know? So the story, the, the finish there was perfect. And so I think that, you know, if tragedy did not strike, he he was destined, destined for superstardom. And I mean, it would have been so cool to see him finally get his just due as the world champion. But I'm so thankful that he got this run as the TNT champion. So, Angelo, I, I did not catch this t- the title change live. Did you happen to watch the title change live? Or when you if you did not, when you first saw it, what was your immediate reaction to him squashing Cody Rhodes that night? So, yeah, unfortunately, again, due to work, um, you know, I, I didn't get home in time to see it. But, you know, I was... I was just reading, like, a few of my friends even sent it to me. They were like, yo, like, you know, Brody just squashed Cody. Like, you know, he hit the clothesline. He beat him. He's a new TNT champion. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is actually, like, really cool that he's holding the secondary title. And in my head, I was like, you know what? This is perfect. This could be what elevates him to, you know, move to the next level to become the world champion, whether it's dethroning Moxley or dethroning whoever might be champion when the time is right. But, um, you know, he didn't have the longest TNT championship reign, but I heard a lot of people in the AEW locker room were saying that even though he held it for a short time, he did his best to, you know, make that title important. And not just some he secondary title. He, he tried he, holding it to the standard. And he said that his son Brody Jr. slept with the title every night while he had it. And yeah, to me, that, that literally, I was when when I was watching that, um, it actually made me like choke up a little bit because it yeah. was like you know this is what I guess wrestling means to his kids. You know, th- it provided them everything, and you know this is something that they could connect to. Yeah, I mean, so. From my perspective, obviously, I hearing that made me just so so sad for his son because his son clearly loved the fact that his father was a wrestler. And he yeah. loved the business and he loved what he was doing. And I mean that's why that's why they do it. And that's why we all get involved in being as whether you're as a fan, whether you're as a as a superstar, man, we all love it. And Brody Jr. was the definition of that. And seeing how happy he was in those pictures that I've seen posted by his parent, by his mom and by everybody, it really was something else. And so then uh, to kind of move it along, as we mentioned before, Brody dropped the TNT Championship back to Cody Rhodes in the dog collar match on Dynamite uh, a couple of weeks uh, about six weeks, seven weeks after he won it, had some successful title defenses against the likes of uh, Orange Cassidy uh, and some good matches otherwise. But when losing the title back to Cody, the reported the uh, story that I read, and I read multiple places, so I do believe to be true, he was written off of TV to uh, sell the injuries of the match. Uh, you know, you have a dog collar match, that's a stipulation from way back in the day that's, you know, kind of like the end-all be-all to a feud. And it was kind of, you know, smart. And unfortunately, he ended up getting sick working out in the meantime. And that's when it was a non-COVID-19 related lung issue. 
that unfortunately ended up taking his life. And to now fast forward to last weekend when the news was first released by AEW, I just felt the biggest gut punch. Because there was no way to brace for that. And listen, we're fans. We didn't know Brody, unfortunately. We didn't we don't know any of the people who knew him. But I saw an entire fan base and an entire business unite as one, as a family. And man, that meant a lot to me to even be the smallest part of. You know, I run an online Instagram wrestling league and I didn't think it would matter much, but I seized operations for a day to remember Brody. And I took some time out of my evening over the weekend, one evening over the weekend, to just kind of think about Brody and the impact that he had on people. Again, having never met him, did not know him, but knowing the type of person that I I read all the stories about. And every time you would go on Instagram or Twitter, you would see the posts, you would see the heartbreak, and it's just so so devastating. And that's from people who knew him. As a fan, it hurts because we as wrestling fans get so invested in the business. We get so invested in what we watch and so invested in what we see. And there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But the, 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 bigger, the bigger picture is that he was a wrestler, but he was also a human with two kids and a wife. And he was a good man. And John Moxley said it best the other day during the Dynamite broadcast where they honored his life. Why do the good ones have to be the ones who are always taken away from us too soon? And that's the truth. Unfortunately. It's a circumstance of life. And I think AEW did a perfect job of commemorating Brody Lee's life, his legacy, his memory as well as keeping the, his family forever helped, uh, uh, helped out, included, and, and showing that they are always a part of the AEW family, even if Brody is no longer with us, including signing Brody Jr. to a contract for that when he becomes of age, he'll be able to join the active roster. So, yeah, uh... Anything else that you personally want to say regarding Brody Lee uh, and like the tribute that AEW did the other night on Dynamite? So, I mean, there's there's really not much for me to say. I mean, you you said it perfectly, but um, you know the one the one thing that really made me happy, just like you, is that every company put their differences aside, especially WWE and AEW, like. They were showing that there's no bad blood at all. It's literally like this is a human that we lost, and he impacted both locker rooms. He impacted you know everybody in the companies, and you know they wanted to unite and just show everybody. Listen, you know this is why we're doing what we're doing. You know, and the the one thing I think that really you know upset me was reading how some people are saying, oh, you know, one one show 
did a lot more of a respectful tribute than the other. But to me, it's you know it doesn't matter as much because you know both both companies did a proper tribute in my eyes. I I, I listen. Believe me, if WWE had come out on Monday and done a full ten bell salute and had everyone out there, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. But I also don't believe that there's anything wrong with the way that they went and did it. Now, obviously, we don't know the full story, and I'm not going to sit here and try and say that any of either of us do because it's not our place to speculate. We're here to just oh, yeah. talk about what we know and talk about what we know is true. But what I heard was that, and you, Angela, you were the one who sent this to me. WWE wanted to allow AEW the chance to properly honor Brody Lee first, and to let him to have to allow them because he worked for them uh, most previously, most recently, to let them be the ones who kind of made that move. But WWE obviously did not ignore his passing. Monday Night Raw opened up this week. It's the it was the last episode of Raw in 2020, and the very first thing that you hear after the opening video package, it's Monday, and you know what that means. And then Drew McIntyre came to the ring, and he said the same thing, and he tributed Brody with his famous catchphrase. And then all the guys with their with their Brody arm patches, like Kofi and Xavier, and 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 Ricochet and and Xavier doing the discus clothesline, you know the tributes, the subtle tributes. And then later on, seeing that there was interviews recorded about Brody and about how he was, and about what he did. Uh, for everybody, and I watched those those tributes, the likes of Tyson Kidd and Jason Jordan, you know Adam Pierce, many guys who've worked with Brody on the Indies before they came to WWE, days in NXT and FCW, and up to the main roster, even knowing who Brody was and how how special of a person he was, and so to go back to, you know Impact Wrestling, even Brody never worked a day in his life for Impact, and yet they posted they tributed, they tributed him, and. AEW from the outset of that show, I I knew it was gonna be tough, and mm. I saw people post on social media that they were gonna watch AEW Dynamite, and some of them said that they haven't watched wrestling in years, and it truly became special because everybody tuned in to AEW Dynamite on Wednesday solely to remember, pay tribute to. And show love for Brody Lee. Angela, you and I both were among the millions of people, I believe it is now, to have purchased the Brody Lee tribute shirt that AEW released on Wednesday night. Breaking records, becoming the first t shirt to sell as many as it did in less than, I mean, less than 24 hours, but even in less than two hours. It shattered the record, which was 24 hours for selling that mark. And they went and did it, and then some in less than two. And the numbers have only continued to go up since then. And it's amazing to see. And I'm so thankful that they did. I'm, I can't wait to get mine. I will wear it with pride every time that I do. As a small little piece of the tribute to Brody Lee's life, his legacy, and the career that John Hubert put so much work into and that he wanted his family to be able to benefit from. So... Obviously, this, these circumstances were less than ideal to have to talk about on this episode here tonight. And typically, Angela and I like to be upbeat and talking about positive things, and this was anything but what we wanted to talk about for our first episode of 2021, but we felt like it was necessary. And uh, Angela, any, any last any last thoughts before for about Brody Lee as a 
as a character, as a superstar, or as a person, anything that you just want to add before we wrap this up tonight? So, um, there is one thing. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, but um, uh, the podcast with uh, Tony Schiavone and uh, Aubrey. Aubrey Edwards. AEW. The interview that they have with Rhodey. Yeah, I, haven't, I caught a piece of it, but I did not watch the whole thing. Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I think I made it about halfway through. But um, the one thing I took away from that, and you know, like you said, we don't know him personally. We don't know anybody knows him personally. But the one thing I got from that interview was that he was very humbled as a person and as a performer. And the the one thing that makes me say that is he says that he has no proper training in the ring. And honestly, for me, like you would never know it. No. He said you could tell in his footwork and everything that he has no, he had no proper training, but to me, it didn't look like it. Not at all. This is a guy who showed up to work. You know, he made a move. It looked like he would never miss a beat. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could sit here all night and just tell stories about Brody as a fan and all the memories that we have of his. Um, The thing that I kind of want to leave it at is very simple. It's, Brody was a great man. John Huber, I should say, was a great man. And that's painfully obvious to see how hard his loss is affecting people just based off of their social media posts. But we didn't know John Huber the man. We got to know Luke Harper and Mr. Brody Lee the Exalted One. His abilities in that ring, his talent, his his charisma, his... His, his natural ability to connect with a crowd, even though he was not always the, the, the main point of attention. And right. if there is one thing I can say, it's that when someone who you don't know, and yet millions of people all around the world come together to mourn their passing is a sign of how amazing of a person this was and how important this person was, even though we did not know him. Millions of people from all over the world have tributed him. We are just two of those millions. And that's because he made us happy. He gave everything he had to the business. He never once faltered. And he helped to elevate so many stars. The Dark Order will forever now be a focal point of AEW Dynamite and their TV and their broadcast. And I think all of those those guys have a possibility to be stars. But Brody, Luke, John Huber, God bless you, man. We as a, as a wrestling community will miss you. And... Uh, we hopefully will get to see you wrestling again someday on TV or in person in another world far greater than this one. Uh, and may God bless your family and keep you guys, keep them safe. And I know AEW is going to do just a fantastic job with that as well. Uh, so for Angelo, I've been Freddie, and hopefully the next time we see you on the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast, we'll be able to talk about uh, something a lot more upbeat, a lot more positive, and a lot less uh, heartbreaking. Um, but once again, rest in peace, John Huber. And I will leave it with this. It's Friday.
And you know what that means. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We will see you again very soon. So long, everyone.